we're not going to uh, continue with our series in Mark's Gospel this morning uh, because uh, just before Easter Sunday, on Palm Sunday, in the evening, I preached on Jesus healing the ten lepers and the one leper who returned to give thanks. And my emphasis there was on the need for us who have been saved to return thanks to our Saviour. But what I didn't look at, and what we're going to look at this morning, is the actual miracle of the healing of these ten lepers. And what we have in all the miracles of Jesus Christ is not just physical healing, but they are signs, and that's my interest in this, signs of what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. So without further ado, I just want to talk about three things that this miracle, which we had in our second reading, uh, is a sign of. Now, my first point is this. It's a sign of God's love to people who don't deserve it. Uh, In the Old Testament, leprosy was a disease that made you ceremonially unclean. I need to emphasize that, ceremonially unclean. Uh, There was the law of Moses and there was ceremonies in that law. And if you had leprosy, you were declared uh, unclean. Now, what, what, what does that mean? Well, it shows, doesn't it? What this horrible disease called sin does uh, to us, it's a bit like leprosy. And we we all need to realize we're all spiritual lepers by nature before God. Let me just open that up. What does leprosy do? Uh, When I was young, I thought leprosy uh, rotted uh, your flesh, but it doesn't. What leprosy does is attack the nerve endings and you don't feel anything. And as a result of that, you get an infection and you're not aware of that infection. And that infection then becomes gangrenous and uh, bits of flesh drop off, as it were, without going into further (laughs) detail. Uh, Now, one of my big toes is still numb and I think it's because of all the walking I did. I don't think I've got leprosy. But we're numb spiritually aren't we by nature those of you who are christians if you think back to before you were born of the spirits you just did not get it and maybe there's somebody here this morning who is just numb when it comes to the most important things in life i I, i'm just amazed i've been to so many funerals recently that people can attend a funeral and still not be concerned about needing to be saved, to be saved from death and the eternal consequences of that. It's because they're spiritually numb. It's a horrible thing, spiritual numbness. And it also makes us see things (laughs) topsy-turvy. It's like a loony bin of a world, spiritually. Isaiah said... Woe to them who call evil good and good evil. Isn't that what we're seeing today? So this spiritual leprosy, it numbs us to spiritual 
things. And uh, the other thing, of course, that leprosy did in the Old Testament, and these ten men were proof of that, is that it made you outcasts of society. Uh, they, they had to go around declaring themselves unclean, unclean. They were cut off from the congregation of the children of Israel. And isn't that another thing that sin does? It separates people from one another. It sows seeds of suspicion and jealousy and hatred. This world will always have those things because we're all diseased with this spiritual leprosy. And the worst thing this does is cut us off from God. It brings us under the condemnation of God. The lepers were not just cut off from society. They were condemned from God. And that's our greatest need this morning. It's to be made right with God. We, we are all facing, as it were, a living death spiritually, just as these lepers had to live a living death. But ultimately, when we come to die, when there's that separation of body and soul, we're going to be separated from the presence of God forever. Oh, don't you see your need to be saved from that? Now, pastor, you may say, I thought your first point was about the sign of God's love towards us. You haven't talked about that. Hang on, I'm coming to it. This is the point. Jesus Christ went out of his way to heal these lepers. This miracle happened on the border between Samaria and Galilee, no man's land. And Jesus Christ went out of his way because he loves to heal sinners. He loves to do that. Uh, when I went walking to this place called Noidat, you know, me and my friend, we had to catch a ferry to get there. You can't drive there. We had to catch a ferry. That, that's how far it was. And when we think of the distance, God the Son, Jesus Christ, had to come in order to reach this world. Oh, uh, it wasn't just catching a ferry, was it? It was coming all the way from heaven and coming down into this world. Uh, sorry for going on about my walking trip, but Noidat is a peninsula in Scotland between two lochs, Loch Hoon and Loch Nevis. And apparently, in the Gaelic, uh, the name of Loch Hoon means Loch Heaven, the name of Loch Nevis, Loch Hell. And it's this faraway land between heaven and hell. And, oh, we had to travel a great distance to get there. How much greater the distance Jesus Christ traveled into this world between heaven and hell. And that's his love to you and to me. And we know, don't we, from Easter that he went all the way to the cross. How do I know that God loves a person like me? You look to the cross Inscribed upon the cross, we see in shining letters, God is love. He bears our sins upon the tree. He brings us mercy from above. That's what happened on Calvary. Jesus literally hung between heaven and hell. He was the sacrifice bearing our sins upon his own body on the tree because he loves sinners like you and me. That's the sign here. Romans 5, 6, one of my favorite verses. Well, 5, 6 to 8. How do I know God loves me? 
God commends, makes obvious his love. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that amazing? How do I know God loves an unworthy creature like me? Look to the cross and you see the spotless Son of God not dying for his own sins because he didn't have any, but dying for your sin and mine. Praise the Lord, O my soul. My sin, O the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not the parts, but the whole past, present, future is nailed to his cross. And I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, O my soul. A sign, first, of Christ's love towards sinners. And then, secondly, it's a sign of faith. It's a sign of faith. Now, I know a number of you here realize that you need to be saved. And you know that Jesus Christ has come all the way from heaven to die on the cross for a sinner like you, and you're not sure if you're saved. You have been seeking him, but you're lacking that assurance. Now, let me try and explain what faith is from this miracle. Now, the first thing we see in terms of the sign of faith here is that these lepers, they must have heard about Jesus of Nazareth. I think they'd heard that he'd healed people, uh, that he was the Messiah, he is called master by them and that he loves to heal people who don't deserve it. Unlike the religious leaders of the day who hated uh, sinners. And notice what they say to him. These are lepers now. They were supposed to say unclean, unclean, so that people would stay away. If they could have said that to anybody Surely it would have been the perfect human being, Jesus Christ. He is the only spotless man to have walked this earth. They should have said, unclean, unclean to him of all people, shouldn't they? But they didn't. They're unclean and they say, Jesus, have mercy on us. That's faith. Why am I saying it's faith? I'm saying it's for this reason. Faith says I don't deserve it. And I realize you accept me as I am. My friend, what I'm trying to say to you is this. If you're aware that you need to be saved and that Jesus is the savior for sinners, you don't have to make yourself acceptable to him. Uh, I've heard of people who won't come to church unless they can dress themselves smartly. Now, there's nothing wrong in being smartly dressed to attend God's house, but it's not a condition of coming to church, and it's certainly not a condition of coming to Jesus Christ. To come to church is good, but to come to Jesus Christ is what we are all about, and this is faith. Faith says, I'm coming to you, Lord, as I am, as I am, even though I'm spiritually unclean, I'm praying for mercy, Lord, as I am. Uh, you'll hear a lot about Scotland. Have you heard of the Marrow Controversy? The Marrow Controversy, was it 15th or 16th? I think it was 16th or 17th century up in Scotland. The Scots love theological debates. And this one was 
a big debate. It doesn't sound very interesting, does it, marrow controversy? It all started with a minister, a prospective pastor, being interviewed by elders who were considering to be a pastor of their church. And one of the elders asked him, does a person have to leave sin before coming to Jesus Christ? I don't recognize that tune. <laughs> does a person have to leave sin, forsake sin, before he comes to Jesus Christ? That's what started the controversy. That sounds spiritual, doesn't it? Before I believe, I've got to repent. I've got to try and forsake sin. And this young minister thought about it, and he thought, that's not right. That's not right. I can believe in Jesus as I am. I'm repenting as I'm turning to him. I don't have to do something first before I believe in him. And he went back to the elders and said, I don't agree. A person doesn't have to forsake sin before believing in Jesus. And it caused a controversy. You don't have to do anything in order to come to Jesus. You come as a sinner. Do you realize that? L let me go on to another sign of faith here. Jesus said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. He didn't heal them. He spoke a word. Go show yourselves to the priest. What is faith? Faith is simply taking Jesus at his word. And what did they do? They went. They went. Uh, Abraham, the father of the faith. Do you know how we know that Abraham exercised faith? It's said of Abraham, Abraham believed God. Not just believed in God, he believed God. He took God at his word. Are you ready to take Jesus at his word? I'm not asking you, are you feeling your sin or feeling the love of Jesus? If Jesus says, I have come into the world to save sinners. Are you going to take him at his word? Jesus says, he that comes to me, I will never cast out. Are you going to believe him? That's faith. And these lepers, they were still lepers, weren't they? When they took Jesus at his word. When they started going to the high priest or the priest, as Jesus told them, they were still unclean. It was as they obeyed in faith that they were suddenly cleansed. That, that's a sign of faith. If you think I'm going too far here, let me read one of my heroes. Do you know who one of my heroes is? Spurgeon. Spurgeon. You can't beat Spurgeon. As these men were to start straight away to the priest with all their leprosy upon them, and to go there as if they felt they were already healed. So are you, with all your sinnership. I don't know if that's a word. It's a good word. With all your sinnership upon you. And your sense of condemnation heavy on your soul. You're to believe in Jesus Christ just as you are. And you shall find everlasting life on the spot. This is my point, said Spurgeon, and my point. And it is of the first importance. Sinners as sinners are to believe in Jesus for everlasting life. Praise God. Sinners not as turning over a new leaf, not as a religious person, 
not as somebody who feels a measure of conviction, not as somebody who may have enough faith, but sinners as sinners. That means anybody here is able to believe this morning. We all meet the right conditions. Can I ask you, what's stopping you? What's stopping you? If Jesus accepts us as sinners, you've got no excuse. The fact that you feel that you can't believe is the best reason to believe. Uh, I mentioned Paul in Romans 5, Paul in Romans 4. To him, do you know this? To him that works not, but believes. Is there somebody here this morning who's still trying? You're still working. You're still making that effort to somehow make yourself acceptable so that you can believe. Give up and just believe. That's what I did. For months I was seeking and I thought I didn't have enough faith to overcome my unbelief. And then God brought me to the cross and I realized I don't need anything. Everything's in Jesus Christ. Uh, I was a few months. Joseph Hart was 20 years, 20 years seeking. Imagine that. I don't think anybody here has been 20 years seeking. And he saw it. And you know what Joseph Hart said? This is a hymn. Brilliant. Let not conscience make you linger, nor of fitness fondly dream. All the fitness he requireth is to feel your need of him. And he goes on to say, is this you? It's me. I'm putting my hand up. This is me. Come, me weary. Is that you as well? Let's come together. Come, me weary, heavy laden, bruised and broken, by the fall, if you tarry, if you wait till you're better, you will never come at all. Not the righteous, praise God, not the righteous, sinners, that's me. And it's you, sinners, Jesus will receive. So it's a sign of faith, not just of the love of Jesus to sinners, but it's a sign of faith. And then my third sign and this is a bit more difficult. It's a sign of the way of salvation. Now, I don't want anybody to misunderstand what I'm about to say. Simple trust in Jesus, as these lepers displayed, will save you. You don't need to know too much. All you need to know is that Jesus died for sinners, therefore for me. And you take him at his word. But then I think Jesus here commanded these men to go to the priests, not just so that the law of Moses, the ceremonial law, could be honoured, but that they could understand a bit how their healing comes about. And I think this is a wonderful picture of the sign of salvation. How, how does Jesus' death deal with our spiritual leprosy? That's why I read Leviticus 14. Uh, we don't often have Leviticus read on a Sunday morning. So what was the priest going to do when these men appeared before him? Well, he had two birds. And one bird was killed. And there was running water. And it, blood was drained in a, an earthen vessel. Is that a pot of clay? Have I got that right? 
the bird killed had its blood drained into a pot of clay. And you know what that would have taught these lepers? Blood has to be shed. If your leprosy is to be cleansed, it's going to come at a price. A sacrifice has to be made. Blood, which shows death, sacrificial death, has to be offered. And you know what, my friend? It wasn't a bird that God sacrificed. It was his only begotten son. That's why I'm waxing eloquently about that cross. It was the sacrifice. It was the blood, not the blood of a perfect bird, but the blood of the Son of God. Divine blood. That's what cleanses you and me from our sin. And then the other bird, the living bird. Now, this is very interesting. Not only was this living bird set free as a sign that if Jesus has died for your sin, your sins have been taken far away. Jesus the scapegoats. Our sins have been taken far, far, far away from us. But what do you make of this? The living bird is dipped in the pot with the blood of the dead bird. Isn't that interesting? And then the bird is released with some spots of blood on it. And then the rest of the blood is sprinkled upon the lepers that are cleansed. Now, how does that teach us about the way of salvation? I'm using my imagination here. These lepers as Jews would have been familiar with a psalm that I started this meeting off with. Psalm 103. And it says later on in that psalm that as far as the east is from the west, so far has God separated our sins from us. And I think as these ten men saw the living bird that had been dipped in the blood of the bird that was sacrificed, as they saw that blood fly off, they would have seen the red spots, wouldn't they, of the blood on that bird. And as the bird flew farther and farther away, so the red spots would have become smaller and smaller and smaller. And they would have been reminded of those words, I'm sure. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he separated our sins from us. Uh, when I was in Noidat, uh, we, we were singing this hymn several times over Easter, and I was walking the hills of Noidat singing it. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. I was a geography teacher. I sometimes get my facts wrong in the pulpits, but I'm not going to get this one wrong. It doesn't say as far as the north is from the south. Do you know why? There's a north pole and a south pole. There's a distance between the two. A finite distance. There's no east pole or west pole. The distance between the east and the west is infinite. And as a result of Jesus' death on the cross, because he's infinite in his merits, his blood has infinite cleansing power. So in Christ, our sins have been infinitely separated from us. Isn't that amazing? And there was a pastor, he's still going, and he was really oppressed. He was really down, this pastor. He felt like he'd uh, messed everything up, that he was a fraud. You know what it feels like. Uh, and this is what this pastor shared with us in the pastor's conference. He said he was driving. 
he was driving from South Wales to the Midlands. And what's that motorway? I, I find it very difficult to drive on because it's so winding. Is it the M50? The M50 between Ross and Wye and Worcester. I think it's the M50. And as he was driving up this motorway, God just came to him and spoke to him these words, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And the oppression lifted. And I don't know if this pastor put his foot down then on the pedal because he was so full of the joy of salvation. But I can imagine him driving up the M50 at great speed to preach this gospel wherever he was meant to be preaching it because he'd felt it. And this is the sprinkling of the blood. The blood is sprinkled upon these lepers. And that happened to us when we believed in Jesus Christ. Our hearts were sprinkled with the blood. And when we have an assurance of our sins being forgiven, do you know what's being done? The blood is being applied to us. That's why we sung in Wesley's hymn, "'Tis thine, Lord, the blood to apply, and give us eyes to see who did for guilty sinners die, hath surely died." For me. Have you felt the blood? Uh, what's the chorus? We should sing it someday. It's in the new supplements. There is wonder working power in the blood. Oh, when a person feels the power of the blood, he's free. It doesn't matter what else may happen. He knows his sins are no more. Oh, to feel the blood. This blood didn't just clean one leper, did it? Simultaneously, ten people were cleansed. Oh, you don't need to doubt the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's not ten sinners that have been cleansed by this blood. I've heard of um, meetings in this church where many people have been saved in the same meeting. That's the power of the blood. In revivals, um, I mentioned the Cambuslang revival in the 18th century in Scotland. Thousands were saved in one meeting. That's the power of the blood, simultaneously cleaning that many people. And if you look at the history of the church, isn't it billions who've been cleansed in this blood? And you know what one minister, was he a minister? I don't know. He was a poet. Cooper said, dear dying lamb, thy precious blood has never lost its power. There's still wonder-working power this morning in the blood. I want to finish with this. What stops you from coming to Jesus Christ? He loves sinners. That's the first sign. Second sign, faith is coming to him as we are. And coming to him doesn't leave us as we are. It changes us. But we first come as we are. And then going into the depths of how it comes about, it's all the blood, I think, in the end. It's salvation through the blood. And when we get to heaven, saved by that blood, eternity is going to be too short to praise him for the blood. You know, I, I love music. I love not just um, Christian hymns. I love all sorts of songs. But after a while, a song begins to lose its power, doesn't it? Once you've heard lyrics so many times, <laughs> they don't move you any longer. 
There's only so much one can write about human love or human problems. But listen, eternity is not going to be long enough to sing his worth. And are you going to be there in heaven? There is room. There's an invitation. Just come as you are. And having come, may we understand more fully what Jesus did on the cross. And may we not just believe, but have assurance. Have you got an assurance? Those of you who are saved, do you know that your sins are forgiven? Uh, was it um, Howell Harris who asked George Whitfield, or was it the other way around? I can't remember when they first met. They didn't talk about the weather. They didn't ask one another, are you okay? I don't think he even asked, are you encouraged? He asked, Brother Whitfield, do you know that your sins are forgiven? Brother, sister, praise God you are trusting with simple faith in Jesus. But do you know that your sins are forgiven? For his name's sake, amen.